Thanks for listening to the Get Over Yourself podcast brought to you by Carol Fit Stationary Bike Program 8-Minute Workouts to Get Super Fit. Perfect Keto, the cleanest, highest potency ketone supplements. MOFO, Male Optimization Formula with Organs to Boost Testosterone. Let's get checked at Home Testing Kits. Try LGC.com. Almost Heaven, Beautiful Compact Home Use Sauna Kits. Brad's Macadamia Masterpiece, The Mind-Blowing Nut Butter Blend. And check out bradkearns.com slash shop my personal selection of favorite products for health, fitness, and peak performance. And here we go with the show. Start a separate bank account and do an automatic debit every single month. And I'm really serious, even if it's $5. Give up, you know, something small and start a Freedom Fund for $5, but have it go in there automatically so that you're not really even thinking about it. And if you can raise it from five to 20, then that's great. If you can't, just stay with the $5 because if this starts to shift your mindset around what's possible for this. And that money doesn't need to be for leaving something, but it could be in investing something like education or learning related to what you want to do more of. It could be about starting a business, investing in something you believe in, whatever it may be. But whatever, you will find a way to use it but to guard it with your life as your freedom fund. One of the things I recognized was the wisdom of our body. And I don't think we really acknowledge the wisdom. And I use that word very particularly. You know, our body gives us messages and tells us things that I think very often we we ignore. I was one of those people. And in fact, you'll laugh to know that, yes, I too blew up my thyroid. Luckily, I had planned and saved money. I also had an incredible husband who was a brand new husband at the time and he said, you know, if you have to if I have to work three jobs so that you can quit, I will. And you know, he never had to do that, but it was such it was one of the greatest gifts anyone ever gave me and it gave me the courage to just stop even though I had no idea what I was going to do instead. In fact, people kept asking me what I was going to do and I very um in renegade fashion, I said, I'm going to go be a bartender on the beach in Puerto Vallarta, only I'm going to build a hut and I'm going to face the ocean and the clients are going to have to face the street and the buildings. <laughs> and while I never did that, it was like the feeling that I was looking for. And it was funny because my going away party, they everybody wore grass skirts and made mocktails. And <laughs> so it was pretty funny because no one could believe that I could work my whole life and get to the level that I was at and just stop. This is Brad. I want to tell you about my life-changing acquisition of a personal home-use sauna. I have a 6x6 barrel sauna in my backyard, ready-made heat therapy, a fabulous unit from Almost Heaven. Check out their website. You can very affordably order your own sauna for installation in your backyard or garage and have a sauna experience, the fabulous health benefits accruing from exposure to hot temperatures. Get that sweat going. These are beautiful, traditional dry barrel saunas where you splash the water on the rocks, go in there and relax. It's become a social centerpiece. At my home, people traveling from far and wide to come check out the barrel sauna, turn the dial or set the timer and walk in to 200 degrees in the Caribbean seas. For some reason, people like to come to the sauna more than my cold tub. Go figure. 
Check out almostheaven.com and their beautiful natural wood designs, and pretty soon, surprisingly affordable, you will be in the home sauna business. I think we're just going to have to get right into this because I'm so excited after reading your incredible uh, promo info and pitch, probably the best one ever. Wow. Well, thank you. I mean, listeners, Barb Garrison's coming in strong here already with a bunch of suggested sample questions, interview topics, the bullet points of your amazing work. So I'm so (laughs) excited because you are a career and money breakthrough coach and job you love expert. That sounds fun for almost all listeners, right? Ah, awesome. Who can't benefit from that? (laughs) So the first thing I want to ask you about is um, to set the stage here. Uh, it says you relocated from a fast-paced life in L.A. to live in the beautiful Rocky Mountains in Boulder, Colorado. So tell me about that move. What prompted it? How's it going? How long's it been? How long you been out there in Boulder? Oh, I love that you asked me that question. You know, this was actually part of my grand plan. I was actually born and raised in Los Angeles, as was my husband. So it was a really big move for us to consider leaving. Um, We did a lot of research to find some of the right places to consider. I always had Colorado in my heart because I actually went to college here way back when. Um, But my husband was not up for it because he thought I was chasing my youth. And as it turned out, he finally, after I don't know how many years, believed me that it wasn't about my youth. It was about the lifestyle. And... I, I just felt the walls of LA closing in on me. I, you know, we were living in a beautiful condo in a very congested area. And I, I, I had this vision that I felt like I was living in an ice cube tray and I had my one little ice cube and there were people all around me. And I just really needed more elbow room, more nature, more fresh air, more big skies. And plus I wanted, I wanted a new adventure. You know, I spent my whole life in L.A., which was great. I have no regrets. Did every L.A. thing you could possibly imagine and then some. And I I was ready for like a totally new adventure, which to me is a way to boost your creativity. Well, I guess you, the way you express it, you don't have to have a distinct reason. And I think just those feelings and those sensations. And I'm the same, Barb. I was born and raised in the San Fernando Valley. And... uh, you know, you see that your social networks and your family and everything kind of uh, locks into place at a certain age. And I realized that I was either going to be stuck there my whole life or that, you know, I could kind of pursue this kind of calling to get out of there, especially because I was an athlete riding my bike every day and dealing with the traffic on Pacific Coast Highway. And, you know, you just kind of have to place yourself in a different environment and imagine yourself doing something different. And I think it takes a lot of courage because we get so locked into patterns as humans. It it ain't easy, even if it's a wonderful, beautiful place like Boulder, how could you go wrong? But it (laughs) takes, you know, it takes a little bit of uh, a little bit of effort and a new mindset, huh? No question. And certainly a transition, you know, there was a lot of new things to figure out. Um, I, watched my husband really struggle um, because he had to start his business all over from scratch. Um, He was willing to do it. It, He's doing great now. It took him a while, Um, but it's okay. You know, I feel like we grew together. We both grew individually and our businesses grew. And so it was well worth it. I I have no regrets. The only thing I miss is people, um, friends and loved ones. Although I will tell you one thing that led to this is that so many of our friends and family had moved all over. 
And so um, it's not like we had that home base in LA like we once did growing up. And, you know, now with technology, we're so fortunate to be able to talk to people from all over and stay in touch. And um, so, you know, it, it was part of my grand plan with my business when I started my business to have a business that I could do from anywhere. And so, um, you know, that's turned out to be great. And frankly, with everybody working from home and COVID and the way that we've been communicating, you know, in some ways, I, I feel fortunate because I was ahead of my time preparing for this, not knowing that I needed to do this. So the transition for me was actually quite seamless. Okay, so you've been doing this uh, you can describe the the nature of your business. You've been doing it for 14 years, and it sounds like that came on the heels of a corporate career. So take me through that transition now that we know why you, you got the heck out of LA and went to Boulder. <laughs> yeah, well, I, um, you know, I had an amazing career. I worked my whole life to climb the corporate ladder, get to where I was going. I was ultimately, ultimately the um, director of marketing and sponsorship for a very large company in LA. It was very high profile. I got to have lots of perks, red carpets, you know, a business card with a very nice title and a nice salary and all of those things that I'd worked really hard for. I was working six or seven days a week and I was fried. I mean, fried beyond belief and fried so much that it started impacting my health, number one. And Number two, I had recently gotten married to my husband. We had gotten married later in life. And, you know, I guess it really just helped me shift some of my priorities. Life wasn't all, all work and no play. And, um, you know, I became essentially the coach that I desperately needed back then. Because back then, you know, now this was 15 years ago, uh, I, coaching didn't really exist. Well, it did in small ways, but not in the way that I coach now and certainly not in the way it is in the world. So this is a common story of, of people uh, getting fried uh, with a high, high-powered career. And why do you think that we allow ourselves to go down that road? I know there's some pressure from uh, expectations, uh, management, but I feel like a lot of us, uh, we bring it on ourselves by taking our mobile device into the weekend and trying to uh, engage and not having those, those boundaries and barriers between uh, personal chill time and and, and work. And then uh, to follow up the question or to add a little bit to it, do you think that your environment had any influence on that? In other words, is it more difficult to disengage in LA in your ice cube tray than it might be uh, in Boulder when you're uh, walking up the, uh, uh, the, the trail in the mountains? <laughs> yes, I, I definitely think there's an energy in LA and it isn't an obvious one. I didn't even know I had this internal buzz in my body until about a year into living back in Colorado um, when I was like, oh my gosh, I just felt everything settle. And it wasn't at first. It really took about a year. And it wasn't pressure from any one person. Nobody said anything to me. Um, I'm not an especially competitive person, but what I am is very achievement oriented. And so it's more about beating myself and going to the next level and being the best at what I do. And, you know, in many ways, that's how I was raised. Um, but I feel like at some point, the payoffs for that weren't there anymore. You know, I was very aware what, what I used to say back then is, you know, I have 
this amazing job that anybody would, would really give the right arm for. And yet my soul was leaking out of me like a little bit at a time. I, I was withering on the vine and I had to notice that. And it took a while, you know, um, I, I call it the cosmic frying pan. You know, when, <laughs> when you ignore the taps on your shoulder, they turn into kicks in the butt. When you ignore the kicks in the butt, you end up with a big frying pan over your head. And for me, um, I, I'm a little bit stubborn and I'm very tenacious. So I thought I could do it. And when I basically started getting elements of that cosmic frying pan, which to me showed up as starting to have health uh, mm challenges and you know they started out as small things you know a rash that wouldn't go away hair falling out having trouble sleeping you know kind of stomach in a knot um but but it grew to losing my voice literally which i don't think is an accident and was quite metaphorical <laughs> uh well let's stop there and i want to detail that because if you well, you're in Boulder, so you're surrounded by all kinds of alternative health people and, and spirituality. And I, I'm not going to claim to be a big enthusiast in that area, but I'm starting to appreciate that connection uh, more deeply. And my podcast guest, Elle Russ, was talking about uh, how you know she, she blew up her thyroid. She wrote a book about uh, you know healing your thyroid naturally, the paleothyroid solution. And mm -hmm. you know she said the positioning of the thyroid gland right there uh, in the front of your throat is representative of losing your voice, uh, losing your, your uh, assertiveness in life uh, can manifest as a thyroid problem. And I remember um, uh, talking to my man, Mark Sisson, at a time when I was having some financial stresses and difficulties and, you know, talking through that, he is as my mentor. And um, it was at the same time I was uh, suffering from or recovering from a terrible bout of extreme vertigo that lasted for two weeks. And I said something about being upside down in terms of financial. And he goes, that's interesting. Uh -huh. you're, you're complaining <laughs> that you're upside down on certain thing and you just got done with vertigo. And I'm like, yeah, what about it? You know, and he's like, don't you see? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's crazy. <laughs> so anyway, that's my little personal thing. But uh, tell me more about how you make this connection between that health problem of, of literally having a, a, a problem with your thorax and your projection of your of, of your speech and losing your voice in the in the career. Yes. Well, you you just gave a perfect example. I mean, one of the things that I've learned, I've learned so many lessons since that time, but one of the things I recognized was the wisdom of our body. And I don't think we 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 really acknowledge the wisdom, and I use that word very particularly. You know, our body gives us messages and tells us things that I think very often we, we ignore. I was one of those people, and in fact, you'll laugh to know that, yes, I too blew up my thyroid. Um, not knowing it exactly at that time, but there was a whole series of things that happened. And yes, I have uh, two uh, thyroid diseases, and I do believe it goes back to that time. And, um, you know, what, what started out as uh, being sick, it was bronchitis, and, you know, went to the doctor after I wasn't getting my voice back, and I was still coughing, and it was really rough, and I was on multiple rounds of antibiotics, three to be specific, and I never got my voice back. And um, so it was during a very busy time at work. And I went to the doctor, you know, quickly during a lunch break, 
thinking she was going to give me some magic pill. And she basically said, you're going home and you're not going back to work. I said, I can't. It's so busy there right now. It's our big season. I absolutely cannot do this. And she said, then I'm putting you in the hospital because you're not listening to yourself. And I was like, whoa, uh, that really, really got my attention. Really got my attention. So uh, that's the frying pan. Yes, it, it, yeah. it was. And there was another frying pan on top of that, which went hand in hand, which is I went home, I went to sleep. I had been so short on sleep for days and days and days because I was working seven days a week. And I, I slept for three straight days. I didn't answer the phone because I was literally passed out. And what woke me up was a process server at the door <laughs> um, handing me a uh, certified mail from, well, it wasn't technically a process server. It was certified mail uh, from my company's HR department saying that I was being defiant, even though my, um, my doctor faxed um, a te- uh, an email to them explaining that I, I need, I needed to, to stay home. And um, you know, it was, it was a rude awakening, but it was so clear. It was like, that's really the cosmic frying pan that like, what am I doing? This is crazy. I wasn't being defiant. I was actually taking care of myself for the first time. And it was probably about six years. Wow. So uh, that sounds like, the appreciation for you working yourself to the bone wasn't quite there if they're sending you a certified letter to obviously that's like the the protection of uh, eventual legal proceedings or something that sounds yes. like a slap in the face yeah yeah and it felt like that although i have to tell you looking back i have no regrets i have no animosity towards the company and one of the reasons i have no regrets is because i'm now doing work that i love more than anything i've ever done in my life i've never had a job for 14 years and certainly not one that i've loved this much it's so in alignment with who i am and frankly because of my tenacity i'd probably still be sitting in my windowless office working like that if i didn't get that cosmic frying pan so this uh this show of uh, Barb storytelling time has an important theme and it's because all these insights that you learned in this experience you have, you're now bringing this to your offering, which is so fascinating. I think so many people can, can benefit from this. So maybe you should uh, tell us how that sounds like that career was, was wrapping up pretty soon. And then what gave you the idea to kind of uh, put together your offering of being the, the, the special coach that you are? Yeah, well, um, I luckily I had planned and saved money. I also had an incredible husband who was a brand new husband at the time, and he said, "You know, if you have to, if I have to work three jobs so that you can quit, I will." And you know, he never had to do that, but it was such it was one of the greatest gifts anyone ever gave me, and it, it gave me the courage to just stop, even though I had no idea what I was going to do instead. In fact, um, people kept asking me what I was going to do, and I very. Um, <laughs> In renegade fashion, I said, I'm going to go be a bartender on the beach in Puerto Vallarta, only I'm going to build a hut and I'm going to face the ocean and uh, the the clients are going to have to face the street and the buildings. (laughs) And while I never did that, it was like the feeling that I was looking for. And um, it was funny because my going away party, they, everybody wore grass skirts and made mocktails. And (laughs) so it was pretty funny because no one could believe that I could work my whole life and get to the level that I was at and just stop. Wow. And so I, I basically sat on my couch, took naps, and sat under a tree for three months. 
And um, I do realize, you know, I, I'm very privileged to have this because I was making a good living. I was smart enough to save what I now call a freedom fund. Hey, man, how's your sexual function? Oh, uncomfortable talking about it? Look, we talk about our injured knees, our belly fat, so it's time to get focused on function. I want to tell you about Gainswave. This is a cutting-edge protocol where a handheld device sends low-intensity shock waves into your penile blood vessels to stimulate a healing response and promote increased blood circulation and the growth of new blood vessels. A skilled practitioner puts the Gainswave magic wand onto your magic wand, and after a series of 6 to 12 very brief treatments, which are painless but extremely effective, you get real results. Gainswave reports an 80% success rate. Now, we know that popping pills is a popular penile protocol, but when you're working with clogged pipes, you just get a temporary Band-Aid effect when you take prescription drugs. Gainswave addresses the cause of age-related decline by stimulating growth factors and activating dormant stem cells. Translation, stronger, harder, more sustainable erections. I learned about Gainswave from my podcast guest, Dr. Judson Brandeis at the Brandeis MD Clinic in Northern California, and there's a robust network of Gainswave providers that you can find on their website near you. Complete a series of treatments, and the beneficial effects will last for a long time, especially if you eat and exercise well to promote overall vascular health. It's a tune-up for your equipment, and while it's great for ED, Gainswave is for any man that wants to combat the effects of aging and get a little boost for your A-game. So please visit Gainswave.com slash Brad. That's G-A-I-N-S-W-A-V-E dot com slash B-R-A-D to find a practitioner in your area, and you can take advantage of my special promotion, buy six treatments, and get one free. You have nothing to lose and lots to gain from gainswave.com slash Brad. And I got my health back. That was the first thing I did. Interesting. I think when we're immersed into that uh, high stress uh, environment, whether it's a corporate workplace or my reference with being uh, an athlete and training super hard and traveling around the world and we can do it, we can even thrive on that energy and go, go, go. But there is a point where you come to the edge of a cliff and your health can get destroyed without you even knowing it or, or leading up to it. And I think that that story of the bronchitis and the doctor knowing better than you that you were headed for a disaster, um, you know, those, those wake-up calls would be nice if they came along the way. But the nature of the high-energy environment is that it's, it's asking you to be in fight-or-flight mode all the time. And you can carry on. And for, I guess you said six years was that time period where you were just grinding and not paying attention to your health until it, until it fell apart. And then needing that, you know, three months sitting under a tree or sleeping for three days on end, that's no joke either because the, when the energy stops and when the stress, you know, alleviates finally, uh, that's when you really have to realize how far you've fallen and how to pick up the pieces. Yeah, it's true. And I will say, to be fair, I mean, I, I loved that job. And, and it really wasn't six years that I was having the health issues. It was really two years. But it was lo too long, that's for sure, because I was ignoring those kicks in the butt. And I did get to the place where I hit the wall. So, you know, now I, I am basically the coach I desperately needed back then. Um, you know, it's funny because I, my career wasn't in, in marketing. Um, you know, I had a big plan for my business with all this marketing. And what I find is I haven't 
needed too much of it because essentially my best marketing tool is telling my story um, and people see that I've gotten to the other side of it. So it's like I'm on the other side of the street saying, come over here, it's better over here and I can help you walk across those hot coals to get over here. And so, you know, that's often what people want is someone to be their guide, their mentor, their coach, um, their consultant to really be right by their side to help create um, something from scratch. And, you know, I said what many of my clients say to me, which is, I hate my job, but I have no idea what to do instead. Mm. And I don't even know where to start. Wow. So let's say uh, as an exercise, there's a listener who's just in that position and knows that this is not their destiny, but they don't have that you know, I mean, you listen to the, the entrepreneurial dogma of, you know, you have to be hit over the head with something and, and, you know, live and breathe it day and night, and then you'll be successful. But what if you just feel the itching for a change, but you're not, you don't have a clear plan yet? Mm -hmm. It's a great question. You know, before I answer this specific tool, which I will give you, I want to back up one step, which is, I think it's absolutely critical that the work we do is in alignment with our truth. And, you know, that sounds very esoteric and big picture and all of sounds that. Sounds really boulderish. Come on. Yes. <laughs> okay, busted. But you know what? The truth is we all have a truth. And what I say by truth, what I mean by that is our skills, our essence, our natural gifts and talents, the things that we've been doing since we were five years old, the things that we do when we don't get paid, the things that when we wake up on Saturday morning, we feel like doing first. This is all part of our truth. And it, it isn't this grand, you know, esoteric idea. It's really about looking at yourself and really listening to, to what lights you up, what sets you apart, what makes you different, what um, inspires you? Where do you feel called to give? Where do you feel called to speak? And I say that because one way you can find out is if you go to, um, you know, events, cocktail parties, I'm going to say before COVID, <laughs> you know, it's like, what do you talk to people about? That, that would be one exercise. Like, what is it you talk about when you're not getting paid? What do you, what do you love talking about more than anything else? And so one thing I did is I started noticing in the job that I had, one of the reasons I was working such long hours is because I had a lot of responsibility, but I also had a team. And one of the things I would do is I would spend a lot of time working with them, mentoring them. You know, I didn't use this word then, but coaching them. And then when they all went home at four or five o'clock, it's like I would start my regular job and then I was working till midnight so that I could both support them and do the job that was expected of me. So I started recognizing, wow, like that's what I do naturally is mentor and support people. And then I started thinking about, you know, I was a camp counselor from the time I was 17. I did it for years. I was part of a youth group that um, mentored um, kids who were in the hospital when I was like 14. Like these are just things I used to love to do when I was really tiny instead of like setting up a wedding like many young girls do with their stuffed animals. I actually set up a clinic to help each of the stuffed animals and I would counsel them and nurse them. <laughs> wow. That's some profound insights. I love it. And possibly a lot of us have similar uh, reflections or memories, uh, but now I'm, I'm tying together uh, Barb's sample question number four. I got to hit you with this now. Which, <laughs> uh, what, if, what if what you're passionate about 
doesn't pay the bills or doesn't have great income prospects and we're faced with that real life brick wall where, you know, my calling is to uh, blank blank, uh, but we, we don't see the economic reward there uh, too clearly. Yes. So the first tip I have around that is don't make that decision in advance. A lot of people do that. They're like, oh, I'd really love to be XYZ, um, but there's not enough money to pay the bills in that. Well, don't decide that because you haven't even started doing your research. You don't even know. You don't even know what the possibilities are. Most people go to the first sort of job title they can think of and stop there. And Mm. so I really recommend doing more self-exploration and self-discovery because that's one component of what comes naturally to me, but there's also other things that fit with that. So that's number one. Number two, I will tell you, um, I really believe you can make money doing anything. I really, really, really believe that. Now, is it easy? No. Is it, is it sometimes feel like swashbuckling in the jungle where you need a machete to like chart your own path. It's not the preset path that you just sign up and press play. Yes. And I do believe still that it can be done and it may take some time. You may need to start as a volunteer. You may need to start as doing it as a side gig. You may do it as starting your own business on the side while you have a corporate job, which by the way, I did that with another business that I had years ago. And so I just believe there's always a way. It takes creativity, it takes being all in for it, and it takes um, tenacity and passion that I think a lot of people give up way before the fruits of their labor come through. Um, You know, they decide in advance, this won't work. Interesting. It's also possible that these same passions could be uh, adapted, modified into a career model uh, better than most people shrug it off. And I like how you, you um, observe that we go to the most immediate and obvious um, uh, example. Like my son is, he's, he's graduated from UCLA. He's got a degree. He's got a lot of income and job prospects for his future, but he loves uh, cooking and working in the restaurant was his great passion. And if you uh, look at that as a career track, uh, it's, a much more difficult route than doing something uh, leveraging your academic uh, training. However, uh, you know, there's people that are in the, in the world of uh, food and um, all that that are, you know, uh, able to wed that passion with let's say training in finance or things that are important in the in the restaurant scene too or uh, like Steve Jobs with his uh, studying calligraphy and uh, art and and aesthetics and he's in the uh, Silicon Valley in the high tech scene but he brought that passion into into the mix with success Absolutely. And another thing I'm going to add to that is, you know, don't assume that you have to start your own business to live out your true, your truth, uh-huh. your, your passion and your purpose. You know, it's, I, I've worked with clients and I've helped them redesign their job that they're in. And for example, negotiate to um, one woman I worked with straddle two departments. Um, you can also, you know, work on projects. You can talk to your boss and ask about what kind of things are coming up and how you might apply your talents to areas the company might be looking at in the future. You know, it does require having the conversation, asking the questions, and being vulnerable and being open. That's the thing most people don't do. They think they just have to quit to go somewhere else, and you don't. 
you know, the other thing is, I think it's possible to start um, living some of those things even on on the side, you know, a side gig or doing it, like I said earlier, as a volunteer. You know, you don't have to be 20 years old to be an intern. You know, there's that great movie out about that. It's an older movie. But, you know, you can you can offer to help someone in a business that really inspires you to learn from it. And so I don't think there's one way. And I, I think it's really only limited by creativity. Yeah. And if you're going to feel negative about this or have a, have a, a quip, uh, you know, in response that uh, Barb doesn't know what she's talking about, uh, you're probably right. Because if you don't believe it, it's never going to happen for you. Yep. And then you, you were just saying a few minutes ago that you firmly believe it's possible. You can uh, make money pursuing your passion. And because you believe it, you're right too. So I like that uh, first inch forward, that baby step forward to say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, be open to possibilities here. And in today's economy, I think more than ever any other time in the history of the world, you know, now things can really happen where, man, 20, 30 years ago, uh, we'd have a tough time even uh, being a career coach, like like you launching your thing in the wrong era uh, would have had a much more difficult road, but now it's, it's commonplace. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that for people right now who unfortunately are losing their jobs and things like that, you know, while I certainly don't want to um, diminish their pain and frustration and um, people being really scared. At the same time, I do think with the right mindset, it's possible to see it as an unexpected hidden gift that they didn't even know they had because now they've got nothing to lose. So now maybe they're willing to take a new risk or try something new. The other thing too is, you know, there's a lot of um, funds out there available for starting small businesses. And I think that's going to grow even more as we move through this next year um, because we need to get the economy going and small business is one of the ways to do that. Um, So, you know, it can be an opportunity. So just for some perspective here, and you've been in this mix for a long time, engaged with a lot of people, do you see people uh, messing up this journey? And what are some of the mistakes made by the brazen person who quits their job and throws a party with people wearing uh, tiki skirts, (laughs) and then um, they come back to you a year later, or or they come crawling back to their their boss begging for their old life back? Uh, I'm just curious about that side of the equation. Yeah, it's a great question. I'm glad you asked that. Um, You know, I don't believe that it's about being crazy, being brazen, risking your livelihood, your your family's ability to eat. I don't believe that. Um, I do believe that you can plan for it. I do believe that you can, you know, I mean, I started to, I didn't know what I was going to do, but I started to really cut back on the expenses that I was using to, you know, a year before I actually did it. I just got the, I just knew I wasn't going to be doing it forever. And I put as much of my paycheck away as I could, you know, and I think also, that we have to be all in for what's possible, but it doesn't have to be now. You know, maybe you take an interim thing. So when I quit my other job and after I sat under a tree for three months, I took a job that was a part-time consulting position because I, I, I couldn't just quit and start a business from scratch and sit behind my phone and wait for the phone to ring. So, you know, I worked on my business. I built my brand. It took me about nine months to do all that. And I worked during that time in another job that had some elements 
of allowing me to do what I love doing until I was able to quit. So, you know, I'm not proposing people jump off a cliff and then be drowning and go, well, what the heck did I do? You have to plan for it. Oh, that's cool. Uh, I like that answer. And it sounds like you don't have to have this uh, template, badass entrepreneur personality to make this leap that you describe, because I feel like uh, even even myself, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. I'm just happen to be the personality type that thrives on going for opportunities and all that. But you get so intimidated by the, the dogma that people are spitting out that you have to be this uh, this fearless explorer, you know, sailing the boat across uncharted seas. And I feel like there's a, a more broad opportunity here for all different types of personalities and people with different levels of risk tolerance. You're absolutely right about that. I, this is why I think you can do it as an employee and as an entrepreneur. You know, one other idea to give your listeners is there's something that I call a career umbrella. So if you imagine, you know, an actual umbrella and you can do two or three things that fit underneath that umbrella and maybe one or two of them isn't exactly in alignment with really where you're at or what you want or what you want to contribute, but one really is. And so you put a couple of things together, some pay the bills more than others, and you have a bigger picture and pretty soon you can start to build on the one that is starting to grow because it does take time to build a business or build a career doing something that you've never done before. And so, you know, you can take steps. You don't have to just go for the end result. I think we're often, you know, impatient. We want to go for the end result by, you know, this afternoon. And it, it takes steps. We want to go for the end result by this afternoon and we get uh, extremely discouraged and negative if it doesn't happen by this afternoon. And then we spiral back into... Uh, the place we were stuck at in the first place. Yes. And you, you heard me use the words all in. You have to be all in. I, to me, that's a mental state. You have mm. to be all in for what feels right to you. And all in doesn't mean that it's going to come immediately or it's going to be, you know, um, you know, lucrative from the start. I, one of the things I did from the beginning, you know, I was so clear I didn't want to go back to a corporate job. I mean, so clear <laughs> that one of the things I would say is if I have to stand on the corner with a sandwich board advertising my services, I will do that. And I really meant that. Like, I was mm. truly ready to do that. Thankfully, I never needed to. Um, and, you know, back then, 14 years ago, I mean, we really didn't have a lot of the online uh, marketing tools that we have today. And so, you know, the sandwich board to me represented, like, what am I willing to do? And I really was willing. And I meant that and felt it down to my bones. Wow. Okay. So there's... Um... There's your distinction between the 78 people who have tried to launch a similar business and it didn't work out is they probably weren't willing to wear the sandwich board deep down. I love that. Mm -hmm. I think the other thing too is, you know, I'm a, I'm a learner. I'm an avid, avid learner. And so, you know, the first five years of my business, I was in multiple coaching programs, studying different marketing techniques that I hadn't used in my marketing career that were more about um, coaches. You know, I, invested quite a lot of money um, uh, over the course of the first 10 years, you know, in terms of working with different coaches, doing different programs, reading a ton, you know, like rather than watching TV, I'll, you know, listen to three podcasts or read a book or, you know, go to a conference. I, I kind of devour the opportunity to figure it out. 
those are all good success formulas. And I imagine you would um, uh, have that as part of your offering. So I'm, I'm curious uh, if someone's, let's say, uh, thinking of tiptoeing in this direction of getting some support, what does the model look like? What are the opportunities out there? I know you can uh, d- describe your own offering, but I'm just curious, uh, you know, there's, there's books and podcasts and things, but if someone really wants to uh, explore and, and starting with that amazing insight you mentioned about th- that you've always been doing this your whole life and you had the clinic for the stuffed animals, um, maybe there are some hidden things that, I've always been doing my whole life and I'm not even aware of it. Is there a way to kind of get in closer touch with that? For sure. I really recommend that people look at their history um, going way back and, and almost like timeline it. Like what are the things they used to do before they had to worry about paying bills? You know, what, what, what did they enjoy? What, did, what came naturally to them? What brought them pleasure? And to really, like, dig deep and, and look for that, look for patterns, you know? Mm. Someone that, you know, loves to plan parties for um, uh, relatives and friends, you know, certainly the obvious thing is you can do, be, do event planning, but dig deeper than that. Look at, well, what is it about event planning that you love? You know, most people that are really good at event planning are very good on their feet because events always go awry and you're a very good problem solver on your feet. Um, you all tend to be very creative uh, in solving problems, but also creating a, a visual aesthetic. Um, usually you're an excellent project manager and you have terrific uh, attention to detail. So it doesn't mean you have to then go out and be a, an event planner, but then look at some of these skills that are underneath that and then see where those start to fit together. Greetings, my fitness-minded listeners. I want to acquaint you with the Primal Fitness Expert Certification Program, the most comprehensive home study multimedia fitness education course in the world. If you want to enhance your personal knowledge of all aspects of leading a healthy, active, fit lifestyle, this total immersion course will be life-changing. I'm the lead instructor and author of the course, and we have 14 chapters of extensive written content with over 100 accompanying videos covering topics such as general everyday movement, including micro-workouts and dynamic workstation tips, the full experience of gym-based strength training and all the different modalities, a complete presentation on all aspects of sprinting, both running and low-impact options, an assortment of high-intensity interval training and high-intensity repeat training strategies, a detailed education on the principles and practical application of aerobic endurance training, and extensive commentary, the most you will find in any publication, on all aspects and symptoms of overtraining and burnout. We even have fascinating peripheral topics like integrating nasal diaphragmatic breathing, dynamic stretching, injury prevention, and developing a peak performance mindset. It's really something, this course. We went all out for over two years with a great team to develop this amazing home-based fitness education for you. And you get one-on-one expert email support and private Facebook group connection throughout your studies to ensure that you absorb everything optimally and you pass your series of exams and get certified. So go to primalhealthcoach.com slash Brad to enjoy a very special limited time. And I'm not kidding. This is a big time discount just for you. 25% off your tuition. A fantastic 
fantastic premium offer at primalhealthcoach.com slash Brad for the most comprehensive fitness course you can ever find. Oh, so that's the umbrella. That's a different, it's different. I mean, I realize I did the same thing with my hands, but um, the umbrella is more about uh, different types of jobs or part-time gigs or something where you're a consultant and then you have a full-time job. But when I say to dig deeper, what I'm suggesting is you don't just look at the obvious, like, oh, I should be an event planner because I used to love throwing parties for my girlfriends when I was 10, right? But what is it about that? that lights you up? Like, what are the pieces of that? Oh, boy, that sounds fun, because you'd be throwing a bunch of stuff on the paper, and then uh, literally connecting dots, perhaps, where what, yes. you know, what are the common theme between uh, serving yogurt at the yogurt shop when I was 16, and uh, d- delivering newspapers, and then uh, moving into this and moving into that, because I think the, the idea of this linear career path was... Uh, slammed into a lot of our brains, especially people of my generation. And, um, you know, we have to unwind that in a way because that was the familiar example. But right now it's sort of like hopping from one lily pad to the other. And those who can put those pieces together, uh, that could help you figure out your next, your next move. Yes. And in the meantime, what I recommend is start a freedom fund. You don't know what the freedom is for, and it's not even necessarily to live. Start, um, so we go on to um, GoFundMe and ask for uh, the, the beginning of a freedom fund because I hate my job. There you go. That's Well, clever. that's one way. The way that I propose that you do it is whatever way you are earning an income, start a separate bank account and do an automatic debit every single month. And I'm really serious, even if it's $5, give up, you know, something small and start a freedom fund for $5, but have it go in there automatically so that you're not really even thinking about it. And if you can raise it from five to 20, then that's great. If you can't just stay with the $5 because it, this starts to shift your mindset around what's possible for this. And that money doesn't need to be for leaving something, but it could be an investing something like education or learning related to what you want to do more of. It could be about um, starting a business, investing in something you believe in, whatever it may be. But whatever, you will find a way to use it, but to, to guard it with your life as your freedom fund. Right. We have the uh, primal health coach operation uh, and Mark Sisson's quote on the homepage is invest in yourself. That's always been the best investment of my whole career. And he's a big entrepreneur and has invested in salad dressing and restaurants and all that. But to take it back to that and realize, and I, I speak to so many coaches who they, they jumped in there because they had a passion for living healthy and, and, and learning how to uh, share that with others, not not necessarily a, a direct specific career goal, because um, you know that that's that's not the easiest thing. Is to to like like you said earlier in the show, maybe you don't have all the pieces put together at the start, but if you can take that leap, and it sounds like you did a, a ton of that, where you're you hired a coach just to see how the coach client relationship worked, and yep. I'm sure you got something out of it. But the first goal was to just to get in, get in deep into the, into the mix. Yes, absolutely. There's a lot of ways to do research. You know, the other thing I did is I talked to a lot of people who were coaches and asked them really direct questions about what they loved and what they hated. And it wasn't because the things that they hated, I also hated. It was about trying on if someone else said, Oh, this is the part I don't like about coaching or I don't like about being a business owner. I could then 
compare that to myself and say, well, how do I feel about those things? Does that fit for me better? And so um, a lot of listening and learning out there too. And, you know, I want to acknowledge that some of this sounds like maybe, you know, a, a piece of privilege that you do all this, but I really believe it can be done at any level. I mean, one of the things I've done is I volunteered, I've done this for years at low income schools with kids who don't have a lot of opportunities unfortunately, but they are learning to write business plans and develop little micro businesses. And I would do speaking with them. And the difference that it made for them to start to put their creative minds together and start to think beyond what they see in their world and what they think is possible. You know, so I, everyone can do this. I, there, I can hear the, I can hear the chatters going, yeah, right. You know, you're privileged or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But I really believe it can be done. It may not be fast. It may not be easy, but it can be done. And I'm just really a stand for that for people. Yeah, that's nice. I think if we can separate the connotation of the entrepreneur and all that's behind that and all how that's all glorified. I mean, there's a magazine of that name with the picture of the guy with the suit on the top. And if we can separate that idea from just uh, discovering your passion and, you know, kind of expanding your, your notion of uh, a career and making an economic contribution, I think that that seems like a, um, a good safe first step so that more people can be welcomed into the, uh, not to say umbrella again for the third time, but, uh, you know, welcome into a different mindset. Yes. And, you know, I, I think the first step, honestly, is getting clear. What many people want to do is they want to jump to the end result. They want to jump to what's the final job title I'm supposed to have. Um, one of the things I tell my clients I work with is, you know, we're going to be collecting pieces of the puzzle to put together, but what I want them to do is suspend their need to jump to what is the final result. Is it a business? Is it a job? What's the name of it? What's the title? Leave that to the side and slowly start collecting the pieces of the puzzle and watch the picture emerge. So you have to get clear yourself. You can't skip over the steps um, because if you just jump to the end, you know, you might pick something that's obvious, but it really doesn't fit you. And then you're like, see, that didn't work. I should never have done this. And then you get to be right about that. <laughs> <laughs> so I like the puzzle idea where you're, you're collecting the borders first, right? Yes. That's yes. easy. And then you're making a frame. Yes. Uh, and then you're operating within that frame, but there's so much, so much potential. And it's like, you know, when you do a huge puzzle, you like look for all the blue pieces and you put them together and you don't even know what it is. Is it ocean? Is it sky? Is it something else? You know, you go for the brown pieces and you kind of group those together and you start to see the connection points between them. So it does take, I love the puzzle analogy because it's like rising higher up to look from a big picture perspective. Most people want to go for the quick end result tactical stuff. You got to do the thinking and the investing in the exploration. So tell me how that works with a client. Are you doing entirely one-on-one -on -one engagements or are there other opportunities uh, to, to get some support here if you're the individual looking for a career change? Yes. So I do work um, with one-on-ones. That's a large piece of my business. I also teach workshops around this topic um, depending on the time of year and where I'm at. I used to do it in person. Now I'm doing more of that online. And I will give you a little hint. I haven't actually said this out loud to any public places, but I'm working on a project where I'm actually putting this all into a self-paced course 
where you'll be able to take yourself through the process with my support, where there will be probably about a six or seven week um, classes um, where you'll get a big, big workbook with everything from exercises and what to do and when to do it and what steps. And then I'll be guiding people in a, in a virtual class over the course of time. You know, I'm, I'm remaining a little bit flexible right now because of the state of our world and when the right time is. Currently, I'm, I am um, slated to start to introduce that in September. So um, when, when people are, you know, kind of through the summer and we'll see where we're at in the world with all of the things going on. But that's, that is my hope and, and I'm working on that because I do want to help more people. And even for those who, you know, can't invest in, in you know, individual coaching, um, private coaching, I want there to be more resources for people to be able to do that. Yeah, that sounds awesome. It, it sounds like it's ready made for online learning. Because yes. so much of the work is upon the client anyway. Yes. Um, I mean, you can hold my hand a little bit, but then I have to create the worksheet and, and put the pieces together of all the, the chunks of color that have appeared in my, my career path. Yes, definitely. And one place I recommend people start, I was going to tell you this at the end, but I'll mention it here, which is I have a gift for your listeners. Um, if people go to mondaymorningleap.com, mondaymorningleap.com. You can actually start the process now. It's completely free. What you basically get is a one to five minute video or audio that includes the most frequently asked career questions and a lot about what we've been talking about today. So it shows up in your inbox and the idea is it really gives you a, a, a jolt of energy for your week and you can start thinking about some of the questions in the meantime for free. Uh, what do you mean the most five frequently asked career questions? Uh, not five, the most frequently asked career questions. So a lot of the things you're asking me today, I would say are many frequently asked career questions. And so the, the content that I provide in the audios and the videos and the articles, it answers the questions that people ask me the most often. And really the ones that I think help people get to where they want to go based on our conversation today. It includes strategies, answers to questions, little steps you can take to start. Oh, fun. Uh, definitely will promote that, that free offer. Uh, so what about this inbox thing? Barb says your inbox will never be empty, uh, but your purpose can't wait. <laughs> I am really glad you noticed that one. So this is another story. My father passed away um, a few years, well, more than a few years, about six or seven years ago. And he gave me one of the greatest gifts when um, once we kind of healed a bit, my mom and I tackled his office. And one of the things that struck me was his to-do list that had his own personal handwriting on it on his desk, which, you know, was emotional to see. But one of the things that struck me is written on that list were some things he'd crossed off and some things he hadn't crossed off. And a couple of them were send an email to so-and-so about such-and-such. And so I ended up taking on his email box, you know, lots of people that either didn't know or things that were still coming in. And what struck me so strongly was he's gone and the flood of emails are still coming in and they're not stopping. And I'm furiously responding to as many things as I can, unsubscribing, it's still coming in. And what hit me was, we run our lives as if someday our email box is going to be empty. 
we literally live as if, as if we're going to finish our to-do list and our inbox is going to be empty and we're just going to be sitting around with nothing to do and that's when we're going to start living our real life, our purpose, our mission, the things we really care about. And I never thought of it that way until I had this experience. It really truly was one of the greatest lessons my dad ever taught me that came soon after his death. And it changed everything in terms of the way that I was chained to email because I think that's something a lot of people feel. That day is never coming. Your inbox is never going to be empty. Even if you're one of those people who shoots for that, within five minutes, it's not empty anymore. Oh, mercy. That's a pretty heavy insight right there. I mean... If that doesn't wake us up, I don't know what will. And I'm complaining about that all the time because the, you know, the, the pull of the email inbox and the need to uh, stay on top of things and be communicative is pretty strong for all of us. But boy, we got to manage that skillfully, huh? Definitely. And when I work with clients individually, I, I teach a lot of tools on how to do that. But honestly, those tactics are not as important as getting your brain wrapped around this idea that we're, we're acting as if someday it's going to be there. We're going to be there. We're going to be done. It's going to be empty. Maybe, maybe, maybe we can get there. But that's a complete illusion. So, Barb, let's say we've uh, taken some great strides and uh, launched in a new direction uh, and things get a little uh, difficult, uh, the road gets rocky, uh, and we're facing these checkpoints and forks in the road, uh, how do you know the difference between something that you really should persevere through because you're probably traveling on a road that's more difficult than staying in your cubicle and putting in another 35 years so you can retire? Uh, how do you know the difference between that and the possibility that you might have gone down uh, a road that's a detour and it's time for another leap and another jump and another uh, reconciling and uh, reckoning. Mm -hmm. Well, first I will say, I don't believe that anything is a mistake, nothing. I say that because no matter what choice we make, there are always tools for our toolbox that are being added. And when I look back on how I got to where I am today, there were so many things that I've done that I thought were like the worst job I ever had or something I would never do again or a lesson I learned and I was banging my head against the wall. I look back and I see how those actually have contributed to, um, you know, being able to be a successful entrepreneur now. So I think that's the first thing to recognize. There are no mistakes. Um, second of all, I think it requires some deep, reflection. And most people don't do that deep reflection. They just go for the like immediate getting out of the pain. Um, and I think one of the ways that will help with that is to get some outside objective input. You know, ideally a coach, but if that's not for you, you know, a, a, a trusted friend, a, a mentor, a colleague, um, you know, so that you can reflect your feelings of what you're experiencing. And I, I think an, another tool is really we have to listen to ourselves. And I say that, I put my hand up here because it, it's like an inner voice that's very quiet versus the brain voice that just bangs away. I call that brain banging. It, it, I think those decisions get made by listening to that quiet inner voice about whether this really is right for us and whether we can continue. And getting support with that is definitely ideal if you can do it. And or go sit under a tree for three months and take a <laughs> yes. lot of naps and yes. reflect. That's right. Uh, but we have no time to do that because the text messages are dinging and the email inbox is filling up. 
Well, I, first of all, highly recommend everybody turn off all the dinging and binging, all mm -hmm. of it, um, because otherwise you're not in control of when you're looking at that stuff. If you're sitting it under the tree and you're trying to hear your own voice, not taking your cell phone with you is a good call or at least turning it off. And then, you know, usually checking in with our partners or our kids are the only things that are really critical. And, you know, tell them, you know what, I'm going to go out and sit under a tree for an hour. I will check in with you in an hour. So they know what to expect and they're not worried about you. Nice. Yeah, I, I had a guest on the show, uh, Dr. Alicia Goldstein. He runs the Mindfulness Institute in L.A., speaking of L.A., and he was giving some great insights about how to manage all this hyperconnectivity and constant stress. And one of them was to turn off all the dings and the alerts. And I was just listening and uh, smugly uh, uh, congratulating myself for being superior in that category because I turn off every single ding except for my phone ringing. And then uh -huh. he continues talking and he says, yeah, and those people that turn off all their dings and alerts, they have a tendency to reach for their phone more to see if anyone texted them because there's no <laughs> ding to show that it texted. And I think the, uh, the, the data is that we reach for our phone 150 times a day, which is, uh, I mean, it could give you a, a wrist injury when you think about it. But I think developing that discipline as a key component of, of getting in touch with who you are and your truth and your passion, uh, that's great to throw that into the mix because right now, man, we're all too busy to, to even uh, ponder something like a, uh, a, a higher ambition for our career. Yes. And, you know, this is one of my hopes that this is part of what the quarantine around COVID is giving us is, is mm. the simplifying of things and, and lowering the volume on the noise. And, you know, we were forced to stay home with the people that mean the most to us usually, or at least be in connection with the people that mean the most to us, whether it's through, you know, the phone or Zoom calls or FaceTime or whatever. And, you know, I, I think, I mean, I'm talking a lot to my clients about this. It's like, what what really matters and what do you want to leave behind like when you exit your house out of the quarantine i really want to invite people to be very intentional when they step over that threshold not to just go back to so-called normal in fact i hope we don't go back to normal related to that sort of mindless running from one thing to the next without even thinking or breathing Wow, Barb, that's a really nice, I'm going to call that a beautiful summary message because I feel the same. I feel like we're, we got to stay positive and, and make the best of the massive life change. And, and, and I, my, my heart goes out to the, the economic destruction that has been a reality for so many people. But all that said, what are we going to do about it? What's the future going to look like? And hopefully we can pull so many positive attributes out of this that will, uh, and, you know, especially get healthier. Uh, so, yeah, let me ask you one more. Like when you're in Boulder and do you, do you see a lot of uh, similar stories of expatriates from uh, congested urban areas and you describe the energy in L.A. with the ice cube tray. So tell me about the energy out there and the, the, the city lauded as the healthiest and most hip place in the country. Austin, Texas is competing, though. That's a lot of a lot of stuff happening down there, too. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Well, and also, let me be clear. We used to live right in the heart of Boulder. Um, my husband and I actually moved r right to the edge of the county because 
because even Boulder's getting crowded and busy yeah. because it's become such a tech hub. So, you know, we're still like trying to inch away from that buzz. Um, but we, you know, it's only 20 minutes away. And so, you know, we, we do go into Boulder a lot when we're not in uh, quarantine. Um, yes, there's definitely people that are doing that. One of the things that I like about it here, there's so many, but there's definitely an entrepreneurial spirit. And I don't think I know one person who has like a linear traditional job, like meaning they've been in this job for 25 years, they're moving forward, they're going in order in a linear fashion. So, you know, what you mentioned earlier about working in a job for 25 years and that being the most stable and all of that, you know, I think you and I might be the last generation to have been conditioned with that idea, luckily, because I don't really think it exists that much anymore. And I don't say that as bad news. I actually think it's good news because so many people, you know, of those generations, you know, they stayed in jobs they were miserable in. Um, and, you know, then what? Life was over. And, um, you know, for what? A gold watch and a crappy little award thing, right? <laughs> And so you definitely see during the work week here, people are everywhere. People are all out. And I, when we first moved here, I was like, what are these people doing? And then you realize so many of them <laughs> are working. It's 30 in the morning. Yeah. yeah. And I will tell you, you cannot go to a coffee shop here and not see everyone with a laptop at every single table. Like it's actually hard to get a spot at a table because there's so many remote workers and people who are entrepreneurs or, you know, they work in an outside thing like sales or something where they don't have to be in the office. And I will tell you, I think um, after the quarantine, uh, I don't think, I know our, our, our culture, our work culture is going to be going much more towards that kind of lifestyle, even if you do work for a larger, more traditional company. Oh, yeah. Larger traditional companies like to save money on giant skyscraper buildings filled with people that yes. can certainly do that at the coffee shop or at their, at their kitchen table. Maybe there'll be like an entrepreneurial idea for, uh, you know, kitchen table office uh, transformations where we can, I, I see all the people, uh, you know, there's not a proper home office yet because they're not used to it. But oh my gosh, what an opportunity yep. right it's here true. on Barbara Garrison's it's show, people. It's your truth. It's your calling. Huh. Yep. I've been actually talking to a lot of people about that. And, and in Boulder, like we have a lot of co-working spaces here, a lot for mm. a town that's pretty small. There's a lot of that, which is a version of that. You know, I do think even that's going to get adjusted too, because being with people and keeping some distance and that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, I think there's a lot of benefits because supervisors and bosses are learning that, you know, people can work well and do well and contribute to the company without having to be, you know, sort of trapped in a cubicle. And they're starting to trust people in a different way and it's also contributing to the joy and enjoyment of workers because they're not commuting an hour and a half each way which you know you know from being from LA that's a very common thing and um, you know the money savings of you know fancy offices um, you know the, the the things that you know look good for you know clients that only get used once every week or two, you know, I think some of that's going to go away. And I hope my prayer, honestly, is that it creates a better quality of life for workers to give them a little bit more time in their life, you know, for, for health and self-reflection, among other things. Love it. Barb Garrison, thank you so much. So we can go to Monday Morning Leap. Do you want to promote any other ways to connect with you and find out what this, what this is all about? 
I'd start with mondaymorningleap.com because that will help you connect with me. You'll get invitations for certain things. And that group will also get announcements about the product that I'm going to be releasing um, in the fall about um, really getting clear on what is the work you're truly meant to do. So it's the best place to start. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's a great show. Da, 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 da. Thank you for listening to the show. We would love your feedback at getoveryourselfpodcast at gmail.com. And we would also love if you could leave a rating and a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. I know it's a hassle. You have to go to desktop iTunes, click on the tab that says ratings and reviews, and then click to rate the show anywhere from five to five stars. And it really helps spread the word so more people can find the show and get over themselves, because they need to. Thanks for doing it.